to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, a son will be given, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, comma, Mighty God, comma, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. This Christmas we are focusing on this scripture as our kind of key theme. In week one, Jeremy unpacked what a wonderful counselor Jesus is. We realize that even hundreds of years before he was given to us in human form, Isaiah received this prophecy, hundreds of years, which foretold the nature and the names of Jesus. He has many names. Everything points to Jesus in the Old and New Covenants. So this week, I hope we can marvel at the second name Isaiah prophesied over the coming uh, Messiah. We know that to be Jesus. And that name is Mighty God. Mighty God. Not one that normally features in the traditional Christmas story. You know, we don't see many Christmas cards with mighty God across the top with a little scene of a manger underneath. (laughs) This is key, um, I think, and this is why we need to unpack. What's going on here? Did Isaiah get it right? I think so. But I looked up the Webster's Dictionary to to, uh, find some definitions of the word mighty. And here are some of the words used for mighty. Showing might or power. Showing great bodily strength, of great size, great in importance, and under might, you know, might. It says effective power or force of any kind, hardly true of a baby, especially one lying in a feed trough still covered in afterbirth. Too far? Did Isaiah go too far with his one word, mighty? I think not. There is a reason for all scripture, even if we don't like it or get it. When I was in India, traveling to a different um, unreached village every night on the back of a trekker, good old trekker, the local team would start with an outreach song. And it was the same song every night. And in every village. And I'm going to sing it to you now in the local language of Telugu. And here's how it went. Dewadu, Dewadu, Yesi. Dewadu, 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 Yesu. Dewadu. But they did it about 20 more times. <laughs> it only had four words. That's how I could remember it. <laughs> And they obviously were not big on on joining words because the translation is God, God, Jesus, God. No joining words, just that. 
kind of at first thought we thought this is not exactly would be our first choice for an opening number. <laughs> but it was only when I got home I got it. I got it. When I thought a lot about it, I was singing it to the family. What they were saying up in front of a Hindu following audience was, and that's what, that just um, it's just a bit of background. Um, they were entrenched in polytheism, which means they had many gods, about five million, I think. What they were saying was that there is just one God, and that Jesus is God. God, God, Jesus, God. No joining words, but they got it. And it made some uncomfortable. But he is in fact mighty God and superior in every way to anything we could ever be tempted to worship other than him. And it was Islamic people in the same villages living right alongside, all in peace. But they got a little uneasy when we started to say that Jesus was God. And we got chased out of one village. So as I paraphrase the Christmas story that we know so well, let's weigh it up in the light of the modern meaning of the word mighty. Okay, I just ask you to use your little bit of imagination and let's just weigh this story in its most basic form. A young Jewish virgin engaged to be married is visited by the angel Gabriel and is told she will be with child, despite not having been with a man. She humbly submits to the plan to give birth to the saviour of the world, but has to face her fiancé and eventually the negative reaction of family, friends and community because she was not yet married. In her heart, though, she knew that God's idea, this was God's idea, and despite the cost, that she would be okay. In her heart, she just knew that. See, because God had made her pregnant with promise before he made her pregnant with Jesus. She was looking forward to the coming Savior. They're forced to enroll in Joseph's home region, which meant relocation at full term. Mary's intrepid journey alone was a tough gig, let alone finding everywhere booked on arrival. Finally, a smelly back lean-to uh, is, is all that's available. And it becomes the birthplace of the centre figure of heaven and earth. The story has it all, hasn't it? Its beauty is in its simplicity, void of any worldly power or prestige. Not really what we'd call a demonstration of might. The baby's first visitors were nobodies who lived in the clothes they stood up in, yet they were filled with wonder, praise and worship in Luke 2.20. After encountering Jesus, imagine if everybody, from politicians to those who are living rough here in Aotearoa, had an encounter with Jesus this Christmas. Is that something we could pray for? Imagine if the amazing truth that God is now with us and that the Word became flesh and blood arriving in such a humble way hit our nation afresh. The fact that God used a humble virgin and a 
and a carpenter with an integrity to deliver his plan of salvation should never cease to amaze us. However, we now have Mary Techmas and Mary Xmas and Mary Everything slogans around our cities and big models of Santa. In reality, the church can even lose sight of the manger and all the glitter. The true Christmas story, void of might, is an affront to the world's power structures. The world is currently witnessing the so-called might that rules with bombs and guns. But Jesus modeled a completely different form of might. He experienced every emotion and temptation that we face, including the temptation to use power for his own purpose or for revenge. Yet he remained focused on his mission to obey Father God to the end, which meant death. His weapons against the many enemies were not of this world. Perhaps you could pop that slide up, guys. His weapons, we're going to see them in a moment. The weapons of Jesus came completely from his heavenly Father, which we now know. These are spiritual weapons. These weapons include faith, obedience, praise, prayer, purity, honor, wisdom, and the joy of the Holy Spirit. And these combined have proved to be far mightier than the sword. The enemies of God can only take our body but our spirit and our soul belongs to the Lord. Amen. All through Scripture, God's power shows up best in broken, contrite people. 1 Peter 5 verse 6 says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. The pathway to true power is the low road of humility and obedience. If you've got your Bibles or devices, turn with me to Judges 7, and we're just going to look and pick up the story of an unlikely man that God chose to lead Israel at a time when they were basically being ripped off. As I said, all through Scripture, God's power shows up best in Humble, broken people, you know. The people of Israel were being ripped off continually by their enemies right at harvest time. And God's people would do all the work only to see their annual harvest stolen out from underneath them by more, by more might, by more weapons and more men. In the natural, Gideon was an unlikely candidate to be a leader. He was so afraid that of the enemy that he was beating out wheat in a wine press. The Lord called Gideon a valiant warrior. Hey, you, valiant warrior, at a time when he was anything but. <laughs> what are you speaking over yourself today? Coming to Christmas, end of another year, what are you speaking to yourself? What are you saying in your heart? What challenge could God have you being ready for in 2024. What could he be asking of you now 
you know, after much soul-searching, Gideon steps up. Fast forward to the inevitable showdown with the old, their old nemesis, the Midianites, uh, who are camp- camped in the valley, ready to strike. Gideon receives an unusual word from the Lord. So let's read this from verse 15. Thanks, guys. When Gideon heard the account of the dream and its interpretation, the dream that he heard when he snuck into the enemy's camp, he bowed in worship. Good start. Good start. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the camp of Midian into your hands. He divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put trumpets and empty pitchers into the hands of all of them with torches inside the pitchers. He said to them, look at me and do likewise. Wow, are we bold enough to say that? And behold, when I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. Another challenge. When I and all who are with me blow the trumpet, then you also blow the trumpets that are all around the camp and say, for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred, three hundred, oh sorry, and the one hundred who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch when they had just posted the watch. And they blew the trumpets and they smashed the pitchers. Uh, that's pitchers, not pictures, that were to their, in their hands. And when three companies, when the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers, They held the torches in their left hands and the trumpet in their right hands for blowing and said, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Almost there, verse 21. Each stood on his place around the camp and all the army ran, crying out as they fled. You see, the Lord gave Gideon an unusual word. He said, there's too many of you. There's too many of you. You've got to reduce your number. You know, this might be uh, one of the first uh, cases where it was said, less is more. (laughs) He tells them, if you're afraid, go home. 22,000 leave. 22,000. You know, don't you have to have more people than the other guys? The Lord then says, still too many. And he tests them again. 9,700 leave. Gideon's left with 300 of the original 32,000. Not even 1%. How would we like to go and do battle with 1% of us? That might be less than one person. <laughs> That's our God. That's our God. He might, his might shows up best in obedient, humble people, not in numbers. We saw, already read that Gideon crept into the enemy's territory and hears that they're afraid. You know, sometimes we need to hear that the world isn't on solid rock at all. It's on sinking sand. We're on the rock. We're in the truth. We are standing on the truth today if we know Jesus. And they were about to lose. They thought they were about to lose this round, and that encouraged Gideon. So he said, he said, Guys, follow me, as we've just read. He won the battle for them, but they did their part. God won the battle for them, but he did, their, he did the, the part that God had asked them to do. 
What's our part? What's our part this Christmas? What do you believe your part is? What's God saying to you to do this Christmas? Someone's offered to do a picnic at the lake. That's awesome. What is it? Who's, who's it that you should be spending a, a bit of time with, hanging out with? I believe the trumpets, if we can put that picture up, guys, I believe the trumpets speak of praise and worship. It's time to celebrate the King of Kings like we've done this morning, the King of Kings' arrival, the Word becoming flesh in true, authentic praise. It's one of our greatest weapons. Gratefulness is a wonderful antidote to fear, anxiety, and bitterness. If there's any there, we need to ask God. Is there anyone I haven't forgiven this Christmas? Is there someone I need to put something right with this Christmas? Gratefulness is a great antidote to all of that stuff. Let's keep short accounts by following 1 John 1 9 and confessing our sins. The jars of clay, next picture, the jars of clay, I believe, speak of our old nature that needs to be broken to reveal our true identity in Christ. See, inside of us all, there's a person God truly made us to be. But we wrap these things around our life in trappings and trappings and image and these things, and we may not feel that we're much, or we may feel we're pretty important, but these things are just on the outside. These bodies of ours are just simply the temple of the Holy Spirit within us. They shouldn't be demanding all our attention. We should look after them. Yes, I know. Many of you have been on to me for the last week. We should look after them, working with 22 stitches. But... <laughs> But it's what they contain. It's what our bodies contain that will last forever. Our wairua belongs to God. Our wairua belongs to Christ. Next picture. The torches speak to me of the light of Christ in us. See, once we're born again, we are given the light of life. Everyone knows that the best time... To check out all of the Christmas lights around the town is after dark. <laughs> yeah, you agree? <laughs> we would never judge a Christmas light show during the daytime. <laughs> Our light shows up best in dark times. Just when the enemy thinks we are out for the count, Christ comes through and we fight another day filled with his Holy Spirit. Dig deep. Yes, Jesus is mighty God. The universe displays his power and his handiwork. He is the beginning and the end, Alpha and Omega. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Yet he became flesh and blood, born in a stable to a poor young Jewish couple who'd suffered shame for the God's amazing plan of salvation to become a reality. Everything about the Christmas story speaks of humility and weakness. Or does it? I wonder if it's just humility and meekness. We get those two words confused. Weakness, meekness sounds like weakness, but there's a world of difference. Jesus was meek and mild. He had power 
under control. He was not weak. Yet it was the most powerful event on the planet Earth. Period. Jesus tore history into two. He brought about a new covenant and has over a billion followers today. Are you ready for Christmas? Am I? Not in terms of the gifts and the food, especially not the gifts in my case, or the food or the cleaning of the house, but in terms of being a living testimony to the power of Christ shining out of you and me, despite what we think or of ourselves, or despite the trials or this year or blah, blah, blah. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And his power shows up best in praise and meekness. The Holy Spirit is with us and in us to overcome all of our enemies. But mostly to celebrate the Christ child who changed the world through great power under wraps. Until his glory is revealed to the whole earth. And we look forward to that coming day, don't we? Amen. All praise to the Father for the greatest gift of all time. Amen. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. I really believe today there's some here today that just need to be filled with your Holy Spirit afresh. Or for some time, for some it may be the first time. Because, Lord, we cannot do this without you. We just can't run without your strength, walk in integrity without your purity in us. We can't live this Christian life without you. It's not just hard, it's impossible. So, God, I just pray you would come alongside each one of us, give us that hope and purpose for this next stage, the next part of our journey, Lord, for next year. Lord, that you would just magnify Jesus, God. I just pray we would be humble servants and say like Mary, I am your servant. Do what you have asked. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.